0: What is multimodal interval training, and how can it make you and your clients fitter? We'll discuss that today on The Catalyst. I'm Chris Cooper, and before we get going, do me a favor and like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this so that I know this podcast is helping you out. This is The Catalyst. I'm Chris Cooper, and today I'm answering the question, how often do you need to work out? As with most things in fitness, the answer is that depends, but that's why we're a coaching business. And so today I'm going to give you the general prescription, depending on what your goals are. And then of course, that prescription will be tailored by your coach and it will be refined over time to become more individual to you. The best way to exercise, of course, is with a coach who understands what the value of your exercise should be, what your goals are, and how the two intertwine to get you from where you are to where you want to be. So let's talk about how often you should exercise. And this show isn't about Catalyst, the gym, it's about Catalyst, the method. But I want to go back a little ways. When we opened up Catalyst in 2005, we used to give our clients homework. And this was because we were just a personal training studio. We would see our clients on average twice a week, sometimes three times, But we knew that they had to do a little bit more than that. And so we would have these printed pages and on the printed page at the top would be the green catalyst arrow and it would say, here's your homework for three or four days this week. And so people would take this homework to a big commercial gym and they would walk on the treadmill and they would have this piece of paper in front of them on the treadmill. And the guy walking on the treadmill next to them would see the green arrow in the homework and say, where'd you get that? And we actually got a lot of referrals this way, which was just kind of a side benefit. But over time, that prescriptive model stayed the same, but we stopped handing out the prescriptions because we provided a place where people could do that homework. And in 2008, we opened a second location. We gave people the option to come and do their homework there. And we found that they got much better results because they could focus on compound lifts in their homework. While Global Gym still didn't allow squats and deadlifts, our clients could come to our location and do those things, the things that were the catalysts that would get them to the goals that they wanted. Now, of course, you can use a wearable to work out in zone one, zone two, zone three on your own. If your coach is prescriptive, you don't have to constantly be at the gym to get results. You just have to follow their prescription closely. They don't have to watch you. They don't have to stand at the track holding uh, your heart rate monitor for you or a stopwatch to time your intervals. You can do this and technology helps. So when I say you're going to get a prescription of six hours a week, for example, not every one of those hours has to be at the gym. And depending on where you are in your fitness journey, more or fewer of those hours should be done with a coach. So A brief overview Zone one work can be done on your own. It's amazing to meet up with your friends from the gym and go for a walk. It's fantastic to have our like gym picnics and stuff like that. But otherwise, you know, zone one work you can do on your own. Mowing the grass is a great example. I did that yesterday. Piling wood, uh, just having a walk in the park, you know, shopping. This kind of stuff is great to do on your own especially for the benefits of flow state, which I've talked about in another episode. Zone two work, this one's a little bit tougher. You can do zone two on your own. I do on my own. So you can go out for a bike ride and you can try and hold your heart rate in zone two. The upside is that when you're on your own in zone two, it's pretty relaxing. Like you can listen to a good podcast, you know, you can put in a lot of miles. You don't have to worry about other people keeping up to you or going at your own pace. Sometimes if it's a beautiful day and you've got six zone two blocks to accomplish this week, you might decide, oh, I'm going to go out for another half an hour. I'm going to knock off three zone two blocks instead of just two as I planned. You can do it on your own. The only thing with zone two is that sometimes it can get boring. And so if you have a training partner or a couple of people who are very close to your fitness level, it really helps to do zone two training with them. If those people are all at the gym, you can certainly come to the gym and do your workout at the gym and just hold your heart rate in zone two. So what you would say to the coach is, okay, I see the metabolic workout that's on the board. It looks tough. I'm supposed to be doing zone two today how do I modify this workout for zone two? And the coach will tell you, you know, do this. And so you can exercise alongside your buddies. Your workout will look mostly the same as theirs, but you're going to go at a slightly lighter pace or whatever it takes to keep you in zone two. So zone two, you really have the option. I do a lot of my zone two work outside of the gym, but still under the watchful eye of a coach. So the coach makes the prescription, they track my progress, they look at my cycling And they say, yes, you stuck in zone two. Check that off the list. You know, you're working toward your goals. And then we track outcomes over time. When you get into zone three, this is where it really becomes imperative to be working out either with a coach or with a partner. So zone three, you're in an aerobic state, but it is very hard to hold yourself in that aerobic state without some kind of external motivation. So that external motivation could be the clock, right? Like you're running a 5K, you know what your PR is, you know what pace you should be holding. You're looking at your watch every 2.5 seconds to make sure that you're holding that pace. You can certainly do it. But it's way more fun to be out with a group. So a workout with a group in the gym is what most of us are going to do to do a zone 3 workout because We can hold our pace to everybody else it's what we call collaborative competition meaning you know we're all kind of moving at the same speed we're at rolling at the speed of traffic if you will you know i know that i don't have to win this but i need to kind of stay in the middle of the pack and so i'm not constantly looking at my wearable to figure out if i'm in zone three Zone four, zone five workouts, you really want to be with a coach. Not only are these hard to motivate yourself to do without somebody saying, let's go, three, two, one, go, starting the clock, but it really helps you achieve more results from zone four, zone five, if you're doing this with somebody else. You know, a a classic line from Greg Glassman who invented CrossFit was, when you ride alone, your wheel is always in front. And I can certainly attest to the value of riding with other people at or even above my level because I'm struggling to keep up and that's going to make me push a lot harder than if I was by myself. In fact, one of the earliest adherents to CrossFit uh, once told me this story, Greg Amundsen, he was like the original fire breather. And he said that you know, after a few years of doing CrossFit, he bought this Airstream trailer and he he dropped this trailer in this old vineyard. And of course, you know, this is like Santa Cruz area of California and he lived there and his fitness went way downhill. And at this, at the time, this was like one of the fittest people on earth. And the reason was that when he was going to the gym and Fran came up, yeah, he would hate the thought of doing Fran and he would stress about it and he would get like anxiety almost – because he knew the cameras would be on him. But when he had to do Fran by himself, he would have all day to rest up and all day to procrastinate and all day to eat well. And he would sleep in later. He should have done better, but he always did worse because he didn't have anybody beside him doing that workout. So zone three, zone four, zone five should always be done in the gym. Now let's talk general prescription. When you're first starting out, and you've done no workouts in the past, you're just coming to Catalyst for the first time, the coach is probably going to give you six blocks a week. And that's a total of about three hours of exercise. Those blocks are probably going to be mostly zone two with a little bit of zone three to five in there, like maybe two blocks of one block of zone three, one block of zone five or something like that. And so while I think that you should do even your zone two work with a coach to get you in sync, to feel like here's what zone two should feel like, you don't need to work out 10 hours a week to get results. In fact, this is actually what kills a lot of people. They make their New Year's resolution. The first week they exercise like 10 hours that week, right? Or like 20 blocks. And they're so tired and exhausted that they can't keep up the habit. So you're better off to start with six blocks a week. And Build up over time than you are to go all out in the beginning and just crush yourself. This also leads to injury, by the way. Now, here's the bonus. When you start a catalyst, I said your coach is probably going to give you a prescription that looks like around six blocks a week. Four of those blocks are probably going to be zone two. You can add as many bonus zone one blocks as you want. And you will get results faster without risk of injury or too much fatigue, probably. If you're truly doing zone one blocks, you're not doing anything that's really going to stress you. It's probably going to help you recover faster by increasing circulation and moving waste products out. And you are going to burn some calories while you're doing it. You're going to create a small but noticeable and compounding metabolic demand. After you've been to Catalyst for a while and some of your markers increase, I'll get into like more of these specific markers in another episode. But as you move from beginner to uh, somebody who's, you know, just above beginner like me, and you're trying to just improve your overall fitness, then your prescription will probably go up to about eight blocks a week. So about four total hours. And what you're doing in those eight blocks is going to be Uh, Now we're incorporating strength. So you'll probably get two to three blocks of strength training. You will probably still get about four blocks of zone two. So about two hours a week there. You'll probably have a prescription for at least one zone three block and at least one zone five block and maybe two of one or the other. And so your prescription will look more like four hours a week. But here's the beautiful part. You can still do zone one workouts on top of that, and they will still count as a bonus. So let's say that you add three blocks of zone one over your week. You are mowing the grass and going for two walks with your spouse. You really can't lose with that. You're going to improve your recovery, improve your circulation. You're going to get outside, get some vitamin D, get some fresh air for recovery, and you're going to spend time with your spouse. Like there's really no downside to doing that zone one stuff. Um, Of course, you know, sunbathing on the beach and getting a crazy sunburn, you know, maybe that's like the only risk of injury for zone one. As you move toward the third category of athlete that we serve at Catalyst, those who are looking to perform your prescription is going to go up to five or six blocks, so 10 to 12 hours per week. And this is where your prescription becomes very individualized and it changes every couple of weeks instead of every couple of months because you have to be cautious about uh, doing the optimal amount of work instead of doing the most possible amount of work. So optimal means that you are using your workouts and nutrition as a catalyst to improve your performance Instead of as a test of your performance, you are training to perform usually at a sport or it could be, you know, a military or or a police function, right? There's something that you are training to perform better at. Now, if you're training to perform well at CrossFit competitions, great. That doesn't mean that you have to perform every single day in the gym, Your your prescription might be 10 to 12 hours a week, but you're not going to crush yourself on every single workout uh, because that's not the test, right? The test is not the training. So when you're playing hockey, baseball, basketball, football, the prescription that you get from your coach is probably still going to include some zone two, even though you're very rarely in zone two in your sport. I'll use hockey as an example. In hockey, you sit on the bench for two and a half minutes, you get on the ice, your heart rate's high when you get out there, you're probably like in zone three when you step on the ice, you're going to go up to zone five at some point over the next 40 seconds and then you're going to sit down again. But that doesn't mean that you should only train in zone five to prepare for hockey. Instead, what you need to do is build some zone two so that you can metabolize fats and recover as fast as possible. Build some zone three so that when you're skating hard, you can metabolize carbohydrates as efficiently as possible and then recover as fast as possible when you sit down again. And train zone five so that you can extend your VO2 max and extend the amount of time that you're able to spend working full out. You don't need to do just one or the other. If you're training for CrossFit, and this is just an anecdotal study, but one of the coaches who introduced us to Phil Maffetone and the MAF method. Uh, did a little study on himself. And this was like a regionals level athlete. And he was getting hurt all the time. He was burnt out. He was exhausted. He was kind of depressed. And he was training zone five every day. So he was doing three to four hours of work in his gym. And he would do strength training. He would do weightlifting. He would do maybe two like wads, you know, a, a couple of very high intensity workouts. And then he would hammer himself with supplements to try and recover He'd try and sleep more to recover, and then he would do that again the next day. Well, over time, what was happening was he at first he improved his zone five, right? He could spend longer at maximal intensity under maximal load. And that moved him up quite a bit. The problem was that he would jump straight to zone five as soon as the event started. And of course, you're not gonna last longer than about 10 seconds. So then he would drop to zone four and then try to ramp back up to zone five again. Well, I mean what you're trying to do there is just like scrape a couple more seconds off you know the tip of the iceberg right like you're shaving ice off the tip of the iceberg instead of lifting the entire iceberg so what should have happened was he was training more zone two which meant that at the beginning of the workout he was metabolizing fat for fuel longer then when he got into zone three he would have higher aerobic capacity without elevating his heart rate And in general, in these high intensity competitions, the person who can keep the lowest possible heart rate for the longest wins, I don't just want to say CrossFit here, but let's look at cycling. So if you look at the people who are in the Tour de France and they're going up these mountains, it's everybody's got relatively the same bike. Everybody's got relatively the same power output. It's crazy. Everybody's got approximately the same body weight. It's the person who can keep their heart rate lowest, the longest, who is going to have the power at the top to sprint the last 300 meters it's or, or climb the last like 25 meters at the top, right? It's, it's not that the guy who's climbing the fastest at the top 25 meters has the biggest zone five. They all have a huge zone five and the biggest to the smallest might be the difference of two seconds. Instead, it's the person who can stay in zone two the longest before they start depleting their carbohydrate stores who have the power at the top to sprint all out. And so the the perform clients, even if you're getting 10 to 12 hours or 10 to 12 blocks of training, five to six hours of training a week, you're going to be getting some zone two in there. So what should you do inside the gym? What should you do outside as a quick recap? If you're doing zone one work, do that outside the gym. Meet your friends from the gym, by all means, invite me. But you can do that outside the gym. Zone two, you have a choice. You can do that outside the gym. If you really struggle to keep your heart rate in zone two, by all means, do it at the gym. Let the coach watch over you. Have that big scoreboard in front of you so that you can see what you're doing. You know, learn your body, by all means. And if, you know, today is one of three days of the week that you can go to the gym, but you're scheduled to do a zone two, please come to the gym and we'll just keep you in zone two. Zone three. You should probably be at the gym, you know, 75% of the time your zone three work should be done at the gym. But if you're a proficient runner, like highly skilled, highly practiced, you've done uh, runs before, you've done races before, you know how to keep yourself in zone three, then you can do that work outside the gym. Zone four, zone five should always be done with a coach or a partner or a group. Hope that helps. Keep training, keep using your training as a catalyst to get the life that you want. If this podcast helps you, hit subscribe and share it with a friend so that we know that it's valuable and we can keep making them. Thanks for listening to The Catalyst. We've got a new episode every week, so please subscribe to get them all. And if video is your thing, head over to YouTube and subscribe to The Catalyst Method there too.